0: The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with a girl drowning in front of a boy asking him to save her so that she can get an exclusive interview for the Daily Planet. Proceed at your own risk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and today we're taking another little journey, a little Journey quest thing, uh, just a trip, a trip down memory lane, a walk, maybe a a, a slow jog. I don't know, but we're going to talk about Superman today. I'm not sure why I chose John Burns Superman as my next series to go through because fairly soon I'm going to come upon Superman issue number one and Superman issue number two, which I've already talked about on the podcast. So then I have a little conundrum: Do I talk about them again? or do i just take those episodes from back then and recycle them i don't know what do you think i think i should just record them again i think i should reread the issues record new episodes and we'll we'll see how they how they fare against the original episodes in which i had done henceforth that wasn't the right word anyway so today we're talking about the man of steel issue number 2 from october of 1986 This was written by John Byrne with pencils by John Byrne. Inks by Dick Giordano. Colorist is Tom Ziuko. Letters by John Costanza. And the editor was Andrew Helfer. So the issue opens up. Lois Lane is sitting in a cafe in a diner. She's having lunch with Perry White. And behind her, she doesn't see it. Perry sees it. And apparently he reacts. We're actually looking through Perry's eyes. As Superman flies past the window. Now if you remember from the previous episode, this is basically Superman's origin being retold. So issue number 1 of the Man of Steel dealt with Clark Kent, little baby Kal-El coming from Krypton to Earth, being found by Ma and Pa Kent in Smallville, Kansas, um him kind of they they kind of they kind of touched upon him growing up in Kansas and developing his powers, finding out that he's an alien. And then deciding to go out and fight crime, to go just be a crime fighter, and how his mom made his costume for him. And so this is this takes place not long after that. So he's he's fairly new to Metropolis. So seeing him fly by the diner, it it, it would kind of shock some people. So Lois and Perry go running out of the diner and they see him flying away. And Lois is telling Perry, that's the guy, that's the guy that that saved us in that big airplane thing. Perry's all like, are, are you sure? I mean, could it be another flying dude? And she, I, you could tell she kind of wanted to slap him. Because she's like, who else could it be, Perry? Okay, he wasn't wearing that costume, but do you know any other guys flying around Metropolis? And Perry says, all right, well, uh, why don't you go out and get that story? You go find him, you hunt him down, you get the interview, you get the story for the Daily Planet. And she's like, uh, duh, that's what I plan on doing. And so she goes chasing Superman down the street. Of course, she's running, She's on foot. Superman is flying, and there's a limo parked there alongside the street. And the driver of the limo gets out, and he beckons toward Lois, and he's like, "Hey, Miss Lane." Uh, actually, he says, "Yo." He goes, "Miss Lane, yo, Miss Lane, Mister L wants to see you." And she doesn't. She doesn't have any time for it. We um we assume that she's talking. He's talking about Lex Luthor. but she doesn't have time. She doesn't have time to be talking to Mister L who she refers to in her brain, in her brain thoughts as she's thinking about it. He is the most powerful man in Metropolis. And then she realizes, or is he now? Because now we got this super dude flying around. Anyway, she kind of blows him off and and runs away to go chase after Superman. Lex, we're going to assume, is not very happy. The driver, whose name is Guthrie, he yells after her as she's leaving. He's like, but Mr. L is going to South America. He's not going to be back for at least a year. But she just, she doesn't care. She just keeps running. And all we see of Lex is just his eyes peering out over the window in the back of the limo. He's He's got it cracked and he's just looking out of the window like, we'll see, we'll see. So Lois goes chasing after Superman and she doesn't catch him because again, he's flying. And so she makes a call and she convinces this dude that flies a helicopter for LexCorp to take her up into the air to look for Superman. And they don't have a very good time of it. They don't find him. And he pretty much tells her, the the helicopter pilot, you know, he says, look, it's not like looking for an airplane. He's not going to have a regular flight plan, a regular flight path to take. He could be flying in and around the buildings. He's not going to be that easy to spot. Meanwhile, we cut to a, a woman walking down the street. She's got purple hair and she's got a boom box on her shoulder and it's, it's playing real loud. And she's swinging a purse in the other hand. And a, uh, a thug comes running up to her and grabs her purse and runs away. And she just goes, "Oh man. And he just goes running off and runs smack dab into Superman. And so he slams into Superman's chest and he, he turns around. And he's like, oh, and he turns around to run the other way. And then there's Superman on the other side of him. And Superman's basically like, You don't really want to steal that young woman's purse, do you? She doesn't look as if she has much more money to spare than you. And the guy is just staring up at him and he's actually saying, Hamana, 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 which I don't think I've ever said in my entire life. You see people on TV or in comics say that a lot, Hamana, Hamana, Hamana. I don't know what it means, I don't believe I've ever said it myself. And I have been in some pretty precarious situations. I've never stolen a purse, and I've never been stopped by a flying man in red and blue underwear. But I don't know that I would say homina, homina, homina in that case. I may curse a little. There might be a couple of curses coming out of my mouth if, if that happened to me, especially after what happens next. Because he just picks the guy up, and he goes flying off, and he tracks down the woman whose purse this guy had stolen. And she she's just walking along with her her boombox still up at her ear. She's already given up on the purse. You could kind of tell that she had given up just by the fact that she went, oh, man. And then she just realized, I guess I'm never getting that purse back. And so she just goes bebopping down the street. And I I have to use the word bebopping because I feel like John Byrne would have used the word bebopping because he was a hip, hip, hip dude. And so Superman lands in front of the woman and he says, I believe this belongs to you. Hands are the purse. Her radio starts playing a newscast about how the police have surrounded Clancy's liquor store on East 50th Street, where four armed gunmen are known to be holding at least three persons hostage. Well, Superman hears that and he realizes he has to be off. So he stuffs the purse snatcher into a trash can lifts the trash can up and hangs it from a lamppost. And he basically tells the lady, uh, just keep an eye on him, make sure he doesn't leave and call the police. He should be safe there until the police get here. And then he reaches over. She's still got the radio on her, on her shoulder and he reaches over and with his pinky ever so delicately, he turns the volume of the radio down. And he says, oh, and I think that radio is a trifle loud, don't you? After all, in a city this size... Consideration for others is the only thing that keeps life bearable. Bye now. And then he (laughs) flies away. So then we go to Clancy's liquor and there's a couple of guys in there with freaking machine guns and they're holding people hostage and the cops are outside and they're, they're telling them, you're surrounded. Come out with your hands up, but let the hostages free first. And the, the, the terrorists or whoever they are. They're not having any of it in your ear, pig. One of them shouts out, which pretty harsh, pretty harsh. You know, he says, you come one step closer and we'll start decorating the store with these people's brains because, you know, he's a real tough guy. So then Superman flies down and he just starts taking over and he tells the he tells the 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 police officer, the guy in charge says, Captain, will you ask your men to pull back, please? I don't want to risk them getting hit by stray bullets. And then he just starts walking towards the liquor store. And the cop is like, what do you think? Hey, come back here. And Superman's like, just do as I ask, please, Captain. Believe me, it will make your life much easier. So it's almost as if he has no respect for the for the law. Just the way he treats them. He's just like, uh, I'll take care of this. Just get your people back. I'm not going to stand here and try to convince you that I am the reason or that, that I am the guy that you need right here in this situation. I mean, he doesn't even try to show them what he can do. he just like, just, just get out of the way. And he goes walking in there. And one of these terrorists is, is aiming the gun at him. And he's, he's shouting at him, you, "You get back, get back, buddy. Hold, Don't come any closer. I'm going to shoot everybody in here if you come closer. And Superman just reaches out and pinches the barrel of the gun closed. And the leader of this group is a woman. And using just as harsh of language as the guy before, who called the cops pigs. She says, holy spit, did you see? And one of the other bad guys says, I saw it, but I don't believe it. And so the woman just opens up on him, just empties the clip into Superman. Don't waste time worrying about tricks, you idiots. Waste the mother, she says. And of course the bullets bounce off Superman. His eyes glow red and he uses his heat vision to turn the guns in their hands red hot, so that they drop him. So he doesn't have, like, in in John Byrne's version of Superman, he doesn't have, like, laser eyes. These, These red lasers don't shoot out of his eyes. His eyes glow, and then the guns go hot. So his heat vision cannot be seen by the naked eye, basically. And then he just sallies forth, and he says, out loud, because you can't really take out bad guys without explaining what you're doing out loud. He says, and now, a couple of my softest taps. And you creeps should be in dreamland for about an hour. So he just kind of gently rolls up to him, gives him a little tap under the chin, a little tippity tap, and then they're out. Because, you know, he's so super strong. The woman, however, the leader of the group, he leaves her awake and he turns to her and says, now then. And she says, y- you wouldn't hit a lady, would you? And he says, a lady? No, I'd never hit a lady. And then he takes her sunglasses off ever so gently And then flicks his finger at her, knocking her out. And then he reaches into her coat and he pulls out like a a bunch of dynamite with a timer wrapped tape to it. And he says, but then I've never met a lady who carries dynamite under her coat. So she got what she deserved. She was going to kill everybody. But then he leaves the hostages tied up on the floor. You gentlemen will excuse me. I don't think my presence is required here any longer. I'm sure they disagree. I'm sure they're like, you could at least untie us, you freaking jerk. But he takes off. Lois shows up just in the nick of too late. And then for the next few pages, that's what keeps happening. She keeps rushing to all these different emergencies that Superman has shown up to. And she keeps showing up just as he's leaving. So she keeps missing him. There's a fire and the fireman says, sorry, Ms. Lane. And then the next place is not so obvious. (laughs) I think it's a bank. And the guy says, he was here, and then a subway accident, but you just, and then what looks like an armed car robbery, missed him. So she goes back to the office, she's back at the Daily Planet, wearing a totally 80s long white dress with these long frickin' white boots. She's totally 80s. That's the one thing John Byrne, guys like John Byrne, and I remember John Romita Jr. were also just really good about actually getting a lot of the fashion from the 80s correct but then of course jimmy olsen barges into her office jimmy for some reason is drawn like he is a freaking 10 year old he looks like a short little kid and he's wearing a sweater vest and a bow tie jimmy was never the hippest of dudes lois is complaining to him that she keeps missing superman and that other papers are well they're writing stories about him but they're really not writing anything that she couldn't write herself. It's just the the after events and witness stories and, and all that. But they're also calling him Superman, which is the name that she came up with for him. But she wants to get an exclusive interview. And Jimmy tells her, jeepers, that's rough, Miss Lane. Too bad you can't find a way to be on the spot before he gets there. And then that gives her an idea. We cut to Superman flying around the city. He hears somebody calling out for help. He uses his telescopic vision, and he sees Lois Lane in her car in the river, and the car is going under. And he says, "Not a crime after all—a damsel in distress, and not just any damsel, Lois Lane." And so, by the time he gets to her, the car is at the bottom of the river. She's got just a little bit of air left in the car. He he just he just picks the whole car up. He carries it out of the river. He sets it down gently on the road. Let's he she. He opens the door, lets her out, and she's, of course, soaked. He says, there you go. Are you all right, Ms. Lane? A bit waterlogged, but otherwise fine, thanks to you. And then he decides, you know what? I think I should just take you on home. And he lifts her up, and he flies her home. And then he says, probably the creepiest thing I've ever heard Superman say. She says, you know where I live? And he says, of course, Ms. Lane. I know where everyone lives. That is the creepiest thing I have ever heard Superman say. I'm not sure what was going through John Byrne's mind when he wrote that line. I don't remember that feeling like such a big deal in 1987 when I read this. But reading it now as an adult, I don't think I'd want Superman taking me home at that point. But she lets him take her home, and he drops her off, and he's about to take off. And she yells at him, come back here! And he turns around, and he's like, yes? And so he sticks around while she takes a shower, and then she comes out and she starts asking him a bunch of questions for her interview. And he knows that she's interviewing him. She's not trying to trick him. He's he he realize, He knows what's going on. And he's answering some of her questions. He won't answer them all. And he tells her it doesn't really matter. You know, he can tell her these certain things. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to do her any good. But that's all he can really tell her. He basically just kind of talks about his powers. She asks where he's from. He says he doesn't really know where he's from, but... As far as he's concerned, he's an American. He may not know exactly where he came from, but he's an American. That's how he feels. He feels American, so he is American. And so she starts asking him more questions, and he's like, that's that's really all I can answer. I got to go. And she does ask him for his name, and he says, well, you've already named me. You just go ahead and keep calling me Superman. And she she at one point offers him some wine. She asks, well, she says, do you want a little snack, some white wine and brie? And he goes, well, I hope you won't think me too ungrateful, Ms. Lane. But I don't drink, generally speaking. Because he's, he's the big blue Boy Scout who knows where everybody lives. This just creepy. It just is. You know it that it's creepy. You know. So anyway, he takes off and she sets off to start writing her story. He flies to the Daily Planet where he has stashed some clothes. He changes back into his Clark Kent persona. And then two hours later, Lois rushes into the Daily Planet. She barges into Perry White's office. She hands him her her story. I've got the exclusive interview with Superman. And she realizes that he doesn't seem all that excited about it. And then that's when he tells her, well, we've already got that story. And she's like, you already got it. How's that possible? And that's when he introduces her to Clark Kent, who brought him the exclusive Superman story that nobody else in the country has. And that's how the issue ends. It was, uh, it was okay. It's Again, John Byrne, his Superman is my Superman. This is the Superman I grew up with. It was 1987, so I may have, I may have been 16 at that point by the time this issue came out. Maybe 17, I don't feel like I was that old. But these were the first Superman comics I ever read. So this origin story is the Superman origin story that I know. I just don't remember Superman coming off as creepy as he did. Now I knew he came off as a as a big boy scout. That's just the way Superman is. He helps everybody. Um I did feel like his interaction with the cops was quite funny. Uh just the way he just he just flies in and he just takes over. It's I know that he has a respect for law enforcement and he has a respect for authority, but he doesn't really show it there. And I'm sure that's just John Byrne. It's like I I got to get to the story. They didn't they didn't spend a lot of time with nuances back then. They had a story to tell and they just told the freaking story. They didn't have time to spend a lot of panels on making it feel, I guess, more natural because the natural thing to happen at that point would be the cops to surround him. They they wouldn't just let him walk into that building. There's a crap ton of cops out there and he just flies down and he's just, Just tell your men to step back, please. I'll I'll handle this. And he just goes walking into the liquor store, and they're all just like, what what happened? Um, I don't know. I was just sitting here picking my nose. And this guy just came up, and he said, hey, don't worry, guys. I got this and gave us the finger guns. And I I don't know. He seemed okay. He was wearing blue pajamas. So I just let him go in there. They just let him walk in. in. Okay, in real life, there wouldn't be a Superman. But in today's comics... I think they would have tried to stop him. I think they would have gotten in his way and he maybe had he probably would have maybe had to pick a couple of them up, maybe show that he was who he was. You know, look what I can do. I can I can lift this car up out of the way. These these people with these guns, they ain't gonna hurt me. And then maybe he would have convinced him at that point to let him let him get into the to the building and take care of it. But instead he just, don't worry, man, I've got this. And they just went, okay, and just let him go. And then the line with Superman knowing where everybody lives. I don't know if that was supposed to be meant to make Lois feel good? Like, don't worry, I I I not only am I super powerful, I know where everybody lives. So, uh I got an eye on things. That just it doesn't come off as comforting. It comes off as creepy. I forgot to to mention when when he was leaving Lois's apartment and he's telling her, you know, I I've answered The questions I can answer—they're not going to do you any good anyway. By the way, I noticed I uh, that you had uh, an aqua lung under your seat in her car, basically letting her know that he knows that she was putting her life in danger on purpose just to meet him, so that she could get the interview. An aqua lung—if you're not aware is basically an an oxygen tank he then starts thinking to himself about this oxygen tank and he's 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 conversing in his head about it and he makes note that it wasn't a very big one it wouldn't have lasted her very long and it's a good thing he was in the city when she did this because if he would have been out of the state or even on the other side of the world he may not have gotten back in time to save her he may not have even heard her from the other side of the world and he realizes he needs to start testing out his super senses. But that was issue two of Man of Steel. Again, it was fun and yet creepy and weird at the same time. Um, Looking forward to reading issue number two, or issue number three. That was issue number two, you idiot. Uh, Until then, I just want to remind everybody that every Sunday I'm live streaming with a guest. This past Sunday, I sat down with Frank Rincon, from the Half Hour Wasted podcast. I have a new guest lined up for this Sunday. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'll be announcing that either Thursday or Friday. I also wanted to remind everybody that December 31st is the last episode of season three of Just Another Fanboy. I'm going to take about six weeks off. Don't worry, I have stuff planned to fill that time. So you're still going to get episodes during that time. But I am officially taking about six weeks off. And then I'll come back in mid-February. But hey, you got a couple of weeks before that happens. And again, even when I'm gone, I'm not going to be gone. So don't worry. But until then, until that happens, my name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Wear a mask. Stay safe. I'm out. Good job. Colorist was Tom Zioko. I always get that name wrong. Colorist. (laughs) Colorist is Tom Zioko. I'll get that. I'll get it. Shut up!